Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you fear? What do you fear? We know something about fear, don't we? When you experience anxiety, your body reacts. You feel adrenaline release as your heart races. Your breathing accelerates. Your stomach churns. Your muscles tense. It's a stress response. We call it fight or flight. I bet if I asked many of you to get up here and read this sermon right now, that would be your exact response. Our Old Testament reading begins with a command to speak, to proclaim a remedy for fear. So, who needed to hear those words? Well, the prophet says the message is for those who are of an anxious heart. The message is for literally those whose hearts are racing. So we know about fear. But what's the remedy? God is speaking to exiles. God recognized that his exiled people, they had lost all hope. Israel and Judah ended up trusting in their own uh, uh, prosperity instead of the Lord. They decided to pay the Lord lip service while worshiping heathen gods. So the prophets proclaimed the Lord's judgment and destruction, and Israel and Judah went off into exile. Now, put yourself in that situation. What kind of fears might they have had? Well, I think you could summarize it by saying they were afraid that God had abandoned them, that God had left them to their enemies, that their people, their culture, their heritage would be lost, that Jerusalem would lay in ruins, the temple would never be rebuilt, that they would be stuck as slaves in a foreign land forever, and that their children would just blend in and they would cease to be. So, do you think they needed help and encouragement? The Lord wanted them to hear this message. There is no need to be afraid. God knows there are times in the lives of His children, His people, when when we're going to be desperately afraid. What do you fear? Probably for most of us, the answer is something death-related, right? We fear the death of a loved one. We fear that we're going to get a sickness that's going to slowly kill us. We're afraid of death and dying, right? But we have other fears, too. We remember the days of old. Well, not me. You remember the days of old and you, you, you fear for the church in Canada. 
You want to know what the future is going to be like. Or perhaps it's a financial or career fear. You are afraid you're going to be laid off and you're not, your skills are not going to be transferable and you're not going to be able to keep going. Or a social fear. We are afraid of being mocked. We fear loneliness. We fear not belonging, not having friends. We all have fears. It's a normal part of life in a fallen world. From the time when we're children until we grow old, we all have fears, and it's natural for us to fear, but it does not have to control our lives. Fear can turn the object we are afraid of into our God. Uncontrolled fear can lead to irrational thinking and behavior, but much worse, it can lead to spiritual paralysis and spiritual death. So it's just It's for just such an occasion that the Lord wants us to hear this message. Who can't say that we are surrounded by things that cause us to be afraid? COVID. Who knows what else? But we can be strong. There is no need to fear. Do not be afraid. The main point of this text is aimed at at the comfort of his people. It's aimed to comfort those who are in danger of being overwhelmed by fear and the anxieties of life. Is that you? Are you afraid? Does that fear interfere with your spiritual life? So what words of comfort does our text actually offer to those who are weak and fearful, whose hearts are racing? Behold, God will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. Now at the center of our text, the very first verse, there is words we don't tend to like very much. Vengeance, recompense. Now that does not sound very comforting, does it? Don't be afraid. God's going to come with vengeance and recompense. That does not, on the surface, sound like something that's very comforting. How is that message supposed to bring comfort to those who have fear racing through their veins? What we tend to associate salvation with God's grace. And then we oppose that to God's justice or His vengeance. But here we see something a little bit different. Here we see that God's salvation is connected with His vengeance, His justice. The Lord's surprising mercy and His terrible, terrifying vengeance, they come together, and that is not a contradiction. So instead of being something we should be afraid of, this is a promise that's intended to drive out fear, to calm anxious hearts. The point is first that God will come. And that vengeance will come. And that's a promise. This is the kind of vengeance that takes account, that takes note of the wrongs suffered by God's people. This is a recompense that brings freedom and liberation to the oppressed. Freedom from every sort of awful situation. And we need that liberation too, not just those exiles. Our collect for the day said that we experience the temptations 
of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, this is not about an angry God who's making sure that you'll get what's coming to you. No, this is what we call restorative justice. This is about God coming and acting to set everything right again. Say to the people, God is here and justice is on its way. This is the kind of vengeance that's mentioned in our psalm. God keeps faith forever. God executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widows and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. It's that kind of vengeance. The Lord the first word of comfort from the Lord is that God will come and he will avenge all the wrongs done to his people by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And since he's a good and just God, he will make sure that goodness and justice are done. He will set all things right again. So in the midst of, and in the midst of putting everything right again, he assures you that he will not forsake or forget his people. But notice in our text that Isaiah doesn't just end with Almighty, the Almighty Judge coming to recompense the world. No, he says, He will come and save you. The second reason for God's coming personally will be to save His people. God intervenes. He comes personally to rescue and acts on our behalf, on us, on the behalf of of his distressed people. So, the people are encouraged to take heart and not to be afraid. Now, in the Bible, anytime God shows up, that's usually a cause for people to be terribly afraid. But God's coming is no need for fear because God's not coming for people's destruct- the people's destruction. No, he's coming for their salvation. At just the right time. And in the best way, God would fulfill his promises to the people. Now, don't forget, Isaiah is addressing the exiles, the exiled Israelites. So for them, recompense and vengeance means that their pagan captors are the ones who are targeted. God himself is going to return and free his people from exile. Israel will be released from their bondage. They'll get to go home. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The temple will be restored. Just like, and just like God saved those exiles from what they feared, God will save us from what we fear. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those people in exile, they were conquered, they were brutalized, And their anxious hearts cried out for deliverance. But they did not have the strength to right the wrongs that they had suffered or to bring those responsible to account. They couldn't do it. They were blind and deaf and lame and mute. They had no power to help themselves. Only God could save them. God comes to the aid of the blind and the deaf and the lame. If 
the big desert between Babylon and Israel was the problem, it would be transformed from an arid, life-threatening place to a fertile, life-supporting place. God does whatever He needs to to save His people. The text points out our need. Our need for sanctification. Our need for restoration, repair, healing, transformation, whatever you want to call it. It focuses our attention on the the beating, racing hearts of real people in our churches, in in our communities. And it demands us to see what we're running from. What are we scared of? What has immobilized us? We have no power to remove everything that causes us fear. We have no power over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Only God can save us. And our reading reminds us of what faith really is. Faith is trust in God's promise and in His mercy at just the right time and in just the right way. God will come and save us. Not in our time and not in our way. His time and His way. God has seen our weakness and our fear. He's heard our cries and our pleas for mercy. And He saved us. He's gone to great lengths to see us through the waters of our baptism, not to judge us with vengeance, to save us with His mercy. Now, in our text, we've heard familiar phrases. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man shall leap. Most of us will recognize these words, not from our text, unfortunately, but from Handel's Messiah. These are messianic terms. The Gospel reading shows the fulfillment of these promises. When Jesus heals a man who was born blind and deaf, those who saw it, they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he's done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Jesus, God in the flesh, does exactly what this text says. Fulfills it. It was through His ministry, through His life, and more importantly, through His death on the cross that Jesus has brought this text to fulfillment. It's through this text that He has come and saved you. By His dying on the cross, Jesus has put everything right again. He defeated everything that would cause you to fear. By His death, He's defeated Satan, sin the devil, the world, the flesh, even death itself. This is why Israel never got what was coming to them. This is how God has saved you at just the right time and in the right way. Be strong. Do not be afraid. At the right time and in the best way, God will fulfill His promises that He has given you in His Word. In the meantime, He rules His church in the best interests of His people. And when the timing is precise, God will come for His people. God will set all things right again. But He has already begun to do so with you. 
He is setting things right again, little by little. That means that God is here right now at work in your lives. God is here today. He's here. Close, for you, close enough for you to touch. Close enough for you to taste. When you face your fears, whatever those fears may be, God's word offers you and promises you strength. It promises you that God will set everything right again. You have no need to be afraid. Here and through faithful churches everywhere, God is releasing prisoners from their spiritual bondage. He's opening the eyes of the spiritually blind. He's opening the ears of the spiritually deaf so that they hear, may hear the gospel, turn, and be forgiven. Fear not. God is here for you. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.